Okay, so back to uh, our uh, living the dream theme. So for a number of weeks now, we have been looking at those qualities, those characteristics, attributes that God calls us not just to be aware of, uh, not just to look favorably upon, but to actually embrace in our lives. And we do that uh, so that we can live the dream. Live the dream that God has for us to enjoy the fullness of all that he would want us to know as his followers. And to live the dream, I think, of, of that which we would want to experience, uh, both in this world and in the world yet to come. And so we've looked at a number of different uh, characteristics that have been uh, discussed in this. We've looked at faithfulness and perseverance. We've talked about the partnership of the Holy Spirit that we have, of controlling anger, We've talked about uh, moral integrity, of being a people of prayer, of being good stewards of all that God entrusts us with, of rising above mediocrity, of knowing what eternity holds for us, of having a healthy fear of the Lord, of putting the needs of others before our own, of seeking after godly, heavenly wisdom rather than earthly wisdom, of regularly doing sort of a self-examination to see where, where we're at in our relationship with God of being a people of worship, both because God desires it and because he deserves it, of knowing the importance of self-control. Last week, we talked about uh, focusing on the positive aspects of life that God brings into our midst. And this morning, we're going to wrap up with a theme that we uh, can use appropriately here, but we could also have used it the very first Sunday or in the middle or any other time because it really is that concept, that idea, that, that characteristic upon which everything else has its foundation and uh, it rests, and, and that is the idea of acknowledging and utilizing God's Word, the Bible, our Holy Scripture. And as we think about that, incorporated this, of, of course, is the importance of us reading God's Word, but, but that's not enough. We need to reflect on it. We need to ponder it. We need to, uh, to give careful thought to it. And even that is not enough because we then need to take those truths and those revelations that God gives to us and we need to incorporate them. Uh, we need to integrate them into our lives as, as vibrant disciples, individuals who, who desire to live a, li a life beyond just being passive believers, but truly dedicated in, in fullness to our walk with, with Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit about God's Word and its importance and what it brings to us today. And as we do that, I, I think it's always good to start with a, a question like this or similar. Why did God give us His Word? Why, why do we have the Bible? Because there is some, I think, misunderstanding in culture in general as to, to what the Bible is all about. For some people, they think that the Bible was, is given to us as, as a, a great literature book, and there's wonderful examples of prose and poetry and narrative there, but that's not why God gave us the Bible. For some people, they think of it as a, as a science book, and it provides great revelations and, and insights into natural laws that, that were revealed far be, uh, before uh, the scientists and others discovered that, but that's not what its intent is, is to be a science book. For some, they see it as, as, a, as a history book, and again, we have wonderful descriptions of kings and kingdoms and civilizations, but, but that's not why God gave us the Bible just as he did not give us the Bible uh, as a, a book of, of psychology or sociology to, to understand human nature, though it provides incredible insight into to how we think, how we work as human beings, uh, a, a reality that has not changed much back since the days of Adam and Eve. All of these things uh, are, are touched on in God's Word, but that's not why he gave it to us. He gave us his Word to draw us back into a right 
relationship with him, to be a tool or a resource that would help to reestablish that relationship that he intended from the very beginning back in in the garden but didn't last too long before the fall came into play. That's why he has given us his word to guide us and to lead us. And he does that by, by revealing things like God's nature and his commands, his teachings, his revelations, to tell us more about, about who we are as human beings, our nature, our shortcomings, and those kinds of things. And so with that recognition that the whole purpose of God's word is to, to draw us into relationship with him, what I'd like to do in our, our time this morning is just touch on three realities that, that the Bible helps us to appreciate and to understand, beginning with that idea that, that the Bible offers to us life. The Bible offers to us life. Imagine that you're an archaeologist, and you find yourself in this cave, and you have a striking resemblance to Indiana Jones. Um, and, and you go into this, this cavern, and, and there before you is, is not a golden statue, uh, which was how it was depicted in the, in the film. But there's this container. And you grab the container, and you dodge the darts and the big rolling stone that comes after you, and you make it out, and you get back to the university that sponsored you. And as, as they look into this container, they, they see that there's some powder, and they examine it, and I take it to their labs, and lo and behold, much to their surprise and astonishment, Inside this container is a a mixture that leads to the cure of cancer, of all cancer. Uh, Not just brain cancer, not just breast cancer, or or stomach cancer, prostate cancer, liver cancer. If there's a cancer, this can cure it. It's been sitting there in this cave for uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, but, but that revelation has just now come about. And so they, they pass this on to the, the pharmaceutical companies because Indiana Jones didn't, or you didn't own this. You didn't invent it. You didn't create it. And as the pharmaceutical companies look at it, uh, they decide to do something that maybe is surprising, maybe not. Uh, but they opt not to uh, put it out on the market just yet. You see, they've already been doing some, some work on their own to come up with a solution uh, for cancer, and they've made some progress, and, and they know that if they can come up with a solution before they put this other thing out, that they'll have all of the rights to that, which will mean much more profits for them. Also, they're a little reluctant to put it out because they've just found it, and they're not sure of the consequences or what the long-term effects of it will be, and so they take it, and they put it on a shelf, and they leave it for five years and ten years, and then... Before you know it, it's just kind of forgotten. Folks, in some ways, I think that's a fairly good analogy to to what we see with God's Word. You see, it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's something that for most uh, has a, a very distinct place on a bookshelf somewhere in their home, maybe upstairs in the, in the living room, maybe downstairs in the basement. But unless you're a hardcore atheist or, or, or significantly dedicated to another faith, almost everybody has a Bible. But it sits tucked away. And like this potion, like this, this powder, uh, the Bible has the power to cure, the power to restore, the power to bring life In fact, one of the things that we acknowledge initially as we look to God's word is that it identifies that there is a disease in our midst. 
Now, we have heard a lot about diseases over the last couple of years with, with COVID, and prior to that, of course, we've known about uh, uh, cancer and, and other very serious illnesses. But there's another disease that, um, that exists among humanity that is all-pervasive. In fact, it's universal. Every single person is afflicted with it. And the Bible gives this disease the label of sin, of sin. And it says this about sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person is afflicted with this, with one exception, that being Jesus Christ. For every other person that's ever lived or ever will live, we wrestle with this reality in our life. It's a part of the, the fallen nature that exists within us. And so one of the things we know about sin is that it's universal. The other thing that we know about sin is that it is terminal. In the book of Romans 6, it says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You maybe have experienced this yourself, or if not, you may have known of someone else. But one of the things I think most of us dread as possibilities in our life is, is going in for uh, some regular test with the doctor and the doctor calling us and say, you know, there's some, some results that's of a little bit of concern to us, and, and so we need to have you come in so that we can talk about that more. And as we go into that doctor's office, I, I think we, we uh, think that the worst words we can hear are, you've got cancer or some other major disease. But they really aren't the worst words that we can hear. The worst words we can hear are, you've got cancer and it's terminal. There's nothing that we can do. Folks, when we think about sin and the consequences of sin, the, the natural progression of that is terminal. Terminal, uh, not so much in the physical, though uh, all of us have bodies that were never created to last forever, but, but terminal in the sense of eternal, resulting in, in an eternal separation from God. But as this verse tells us, and, and the wonderful thing about God is that the story doesn't end there, that there's more to it, that there is a cure, and God provides that. That cure comes in the form of his son and the sacrifice that was made. And the way that we get that cure is not by going to some cave in the deep, dark parts of South America, but by being a people of faith. In Romans 10, 17, it says this, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. How are we exposed to faith? How is it strengthened and nurtured in our, in our lives as we become more familiar with this book, as it becomes more a part of our lives? Because God takes those truths and he combines it with his wonderful gift of grace and of, of mercy, and, and together those things lead us to life. In Ephesians 2, we read this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Do you hear that? God takes that faith that he, he reveals to us through his word. He combines it with his grace. And, and then if we accept that, if we embrace that, we have life. We're freed from this universal terminal illness that's out there and freed for all of eternity. And as a little side note, you, you may have noticed here just one other additional point. Uh, this verse points out that, you know, there's nothing that we can do on our own to reach that state. No matter how big a lab we've got, no matter how many good things we do, no matter how much knowledge we acquire, 
There's nothing in our strength, in our humanness that we can do to overcome this universal illness that's out there. It's only through the gift of God. And so one of the wonderful gifts that God gives us in his word is that we, we have this, this tool, this resource that offers us life. But that's not all. We see that also the Bible is the source for us, not just a source, but it's the source of really everything that we need. Let me paint another picture for you today. Imagine that you live um, somewhere in the, in the south and it's hurricane season as it is now and you're not in the direct path of the hurricane, but you're on the outward sides of that and so it's been raining and raining and raining. For a week it has just been dumping, it's been pouring where you live. So much so you really don't want to go outside, but food's starting to get a little bit low, some of those other things that are necessities in life. Now the good thing for you is that you happen to live right next door to a grocery store. And that grocery store, you've heard from neighbors, is just stocked to the, to the hill. It's got everything is still there, everything you need, and even more amazing. In the store, someone at the very beginning of the storm went in, apparently someone of, of unique generosity, and paid for everything that people would be buying over the course of the remainder of that storm. So it's not to say there's not a cost. There is a cost, but you don't have to pay it. All you have to do is go across this parking lot, go into this store, and everything that you need is there. Well, again, that's sort of how God works with us. He's given us all that we, we need in life. He's, he's given us uh, those things that he reveals to us, provides to us through his word. And all we have to do is we have to take this, and like opening the door, we have to open the book. Uh, we have to, to, to be aware of what is inside there. Because this gift, again, it's already been paid for us. Jesus paid for it on the cross. We just have to, to accept it and to receive it. And so we see that we have this, this wonderful uh, resource that has been given to us, again, that is the source of, of really everything that we need, not necessarily everything we want, but everything that we need. And that's not just my words, that's God's word. In 2 Peter 1, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And how do we gain that knowledge and understanding of God? Again, we gain that as we become immersed in his word. As we do that, as we study, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us through scripture, we, we gain that understanding, that knowledge of, of who God is, what he desires, what he calls in our lives. And as we think about all those things that, that God offers, the list, of course, is far too long for us to, to look at this morning. But let me give you just a couple of more examples of what it is that, that God provides for us through his word. He provides for us, for example, hope. In Romans 15, it says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. God uses his word as a, a source of providing hope in our lives. In addition, we see that he, he gives us direction and even purpose. In Psalm 119, it says, uh, uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I, I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to be out, maybe in your own neighborhood, but if not, uh, perhaps you were camping and you, you go out where there's no street lights, no, no ambient light out there, and it's just pitch black until you flip on the flashlight or, or crank up the lantern and then that, that path before you is illuminated 
And you can see the things you need to see. That's what God's word is for us. It provides that illumination for us to see all that we need to see around us. Is there more? Of course there's more. Uh, We could talk about the fact that God's word gives us success and prosperity in the book of Psalms, the first verse, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 1, 2 and 3, it tells us about that. It gives us wisdom and insight in the book of Matthew 22, 29. Matthew 22, 29. In Psalms 119, we see that it tells us about the contentment that we can have in Christ. Psalm 119, verse 165, and on and on the list goes. Because this word provides for us the knowledge, the insights that we need, that that if we apply them, if we take them into our hearts as well as our lives, will be the source of everything that's required for us to have content, peaceful, joy-filled lives. And so we see that the the Bible offers to us life. We see that it, it is the source for us. And then we see finally that the Bible is unshakable that it is that solid foundation, that pillar, that that immovable element in our life that that gives us everything that we need in matters of faith and and life as a Christian. One more picture for you uh, to be looking at for today. This is a picture of a 1963 Ferrari 250 GTO. One of the distinctions this particular car has is that it's the most expensive vehicle in the world. Its cost or its value is $70 million, $70 million. Now, it's not the newest car, obviously, not the fastest car, but it is, according to experts, the most finely, ultimately attuned masterpiece of automotive engineering that has ever been created And what makes it so special is that every part in this car was uniquely crafted to complement, to be in harmony with the other parts. The transmission, the the exhaust, the engine, the suspension, uh, the the electrical, everything is designed just for this vehicle. And so there's no swatching or or switching out parts. Everything is, is designed specifically for this car. And because of that, this car is just right, just the way it is. Let me say again, it's just right, just the way that it is. Which means this, if you were to hop into that car and you were to turn the key and you were to drive off, this car would be worth $70 million as you drive down the road. But if you were to take this car into the garage and to switch out the motor or to put in a little bit more updated uh, brakes or or try to, uh, to tweak the suspension a little bit more, the price of this car would plummet. Why? Because it's just right, just the way that it is. And that's true also of God's word. It's just right, just the way that it is. Oh, which means that it's, it's not uh, something that is, is subjective or, or relative, even though we seem to speak about truth in those terms in today's world. It cannot be improved upon in terms of revealing God and his truths to us uh, in, a, in a manner that restores that relationship with him. And so what we need to do with this is, is rather than, than try to, uh, to reshape it or, or to remold it, we need to enjoy it. Because God has given it to us in a form that's just right, just the way it is. Or as the psalmist writes in Psalm 119, the sum, the combination, the totality of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. 
And yet there's something that's, that's sort of interesting. I don't know what the right term is uh, to describe this, but, uh, but even though God's word is, is absolute, even though it's unchangeable, yet in terms of our lives, it's ever-changing. What do I mean by that? Well, it's the living word. And so depending on our circumstances, depending on our situation, our station in life, one of the wonderful, extraordinary, miraculous things about this is that it speaks to us in that particular situation. In the book of Hebrews, it's described in this way. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so what we see is that it's unchangeable and yet always changing in how it impacts our life. Unchangeable in that its truths remain constant, ever-changing in that it provides for us new insights and new understandings and, and clarity into where we are at in our lives at that particular moment. And, and if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, if you've read his word at all, you know how that works. I think we talked about it last week. You read a particular passage and, and God reveals something to you to, the, uh, to a particular effect today and then you come back to it in a week or a month or a year or five years and there's a new meaning that comes out of it. And you go back to the same very passage in another 10 years and there's something new that comes out of that. God's word is alive, always speaking to us wherever we might be in our particular circumstances. And because it's just right, just the way it is, we need to avoid that tendency that we have as humans to think that we can make it better, to think that we can improve it. Isn't that just sort of how we are? We're always trying to tweak. We're always trying to correct. Remember that Ferrari, if you do that, the value plummets. God tells us we're not to mess with this word either. In Proverbs, it says this, every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. So do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. Now, we know that there are those who try to do that. We're, we're filled with a world where we see that. There are some faiths uh, that will take that, and they'll either uh, try to change God's word, or they'll add a different book or an additional a piece that they think that provides clarity. But folks, it's just right, just the way it is. And so again, all we have to do is receive it and open it and read it and meditate upon it and apply it. And it will change our lives, not only in this earthly existence, but for all of eternity. So what is it as we wrap up this series that I'm hoping you'll take with you today? Well, it's this idea that the Bible offers life that it is the source for everything that we need and that it is unshakable, that foundation upon which we can rest. Okay, you did it. Congratulations, you survived another uh, sermon series by Pastor Brett. Um, I'm going to have some cards that will be available next week that you can pick up because my hope is that you'll reflect again upon these. These aren't just... Um, topics that I, I needed to be able to fill for a few uh, weeks of a, of a series. These are truths. These are ideas. These are, are attributes that God truly desires that we integrate as a part of our life. Congratulations on uh, the accomplishment that you have achieved, but just hearing it isn't enough. May God help us to take what we've heard and apply it to our lives this day and every day.
Amen.